Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of D&D. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Damian Abraham, and your other host is the great... It's, hi, I'm, my name is Danko Jones, <laughs> your uh, co-host. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to... I was like, we should have practiced this. As soon as I started, I took the lead, and, and, and I'm always like, you know, because it's a co-host thing, I'm always, like, insecure about taking the lead on this stuff. Oh, same here. I think it's our lead singer disease part yes. of it, right? Yes, yes. We so, overcompensate. We don't want to be Gwen Stefani and don't speak, you know? The world makes us right. Gwen Stefani and don't speak. But right. we don't want to be that, you know, and, right. and so we're always, yeah. So, um, but this is a f- podcast that is <laughs> separated by months in between recordings. People don't know that because we've been pretty good about putting them up so far. But. I've been in a, I'm now in a completely different area, room, yep. place, <laughs> yep. and and I believe like there'll be even different uh, settings in the near future. <laughs> It's changing. The times they are changing on this podcast every day. But the one thing that doesn't change is the commitment to records. And uh, I don't know about yourself, Danko, but I have been very excited to record with you again. My commitment to records has changed as well, but not to the records that I bring to this show. Yes, yes. Still an avid collector of these kinds of records. Well, uh, I'm I'm very excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, let's let's let me look for something cool to flip. I I only have good valuable records around me today, so I feel bad about trying to flip one of them in respect to the records. But uh, I think I do have a old uh, cannabis delivery service that is I'm sure out of business, but uh, they will supply us with our business card. Uh, do you pick the frequent buyer side? Or do you pick the logo side? A frequent buyer. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, it did come up logo side. As I'm looking at the logo, it is kind of a, uh, culturally insensitive, offensive, so I'm not going to show the logo for this company. <laughs> okay. I will put it straight in the trash. I understand what that logo is. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it looks like. Yeah, so I'm just going to tear this card up and put it right in the trash. I'm sure they're also in a business because that's the way this world goes in that world. Um, but uh, I did win. You'll have to trust me on this one. And so I will go first. And, uh, of course, uh, I have a preamble before I get to the record. Uh, I am now... And for a couple of years, there's this great book about record collecting that I wanted to recommend on the podcast called Vinyl Junkies. Have you read this thing? It came out Vinyl years ago. Seems familiar, but it, no. It, it's a, it's a great kind of like short read, um, just interviewing record collectors, and it's like a more about the obsessive world of record collecting. And it's this is a pre vinyl resurgence record store day kind of world so it's a fantastic read and i think something you'd really enjoy reading and so and of course punk goes into it but like all types of records and about like what drives people to collect records i would say that book and also the incredibly strange musics volume one and two which Mm -hmm. research put out you know those are kind of the bibles for this thing yeah um but in in this book vinyl junkies they talk about one section is a guy who buys Jimi hendrix's records like personal records oh, from Jimi hendrix that kind of thing. Yeah. exactly so now i'm into the idea of providence for records you know like it's 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 great to get a record but it's amazing if you get a record that is of some sort of significance like you have so-and-so's copy of this record like especially if that person you know you know like i have 
I have Danko Jones's copy of the Len 12-inch picture disc, which, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's a rare record, which you gave me, and I'm still very grateful you gave it to me. We alluded to this I, on the first episode. That's why I'm paying it off by saying what record it was now. I think Brendan Cannon gave me that copy. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. Look at the providence he's, of that. He's on the record, too. He was a letter. He was, but but he's actually he wasn't on the record. He wasn't in the band when the record was released, though. But he is on one uh, song. He's on "Steal My Sunshine." Wow! I you know I don't think I knew he played on "Steal My Sunshine." "Steal My Sunshine." We could do a whole episode just about that song. You know, the Vice well, sticker in the video. Um, he's on the front of the the. Uh, I think Mark Costanza goes, "Hey, champ," and Brendan goes, "Hey, Mark." Oh, that's right a, at the top of the song. Yeah, yeah, they do that little talking bit before the song drops. Oh, that's awesome. That is amazing. Okay, see, that's why I love doing this show with you. I learn. I learn every Sorry, single I, time. I, I cut you off. No, you didn't. You blew my mind with an amazing fact as I'm, I'm, <laughs> as I'm you know, talking about the fact that you owned a Len record. Not to mock you, because I think that record is incredible. And I think oh, it's incredible. history of Len is, is fantastic to get into. And uh, yeah. they actually, you know, uh, talking to Sarush from Vice, he t- told me all about them. They put a flexi in one of the issues of Vice, with the Bismarck Key song off that record. Um, that's vaguely familiar. A very rare Canadian flexi, too. I can't think of very many, especially from that era. But anyway, I digress. So the idea of like getting a record that has a story, you know, attached to it. There's also this great Instagram account, kind of part of this sort of thing, uh, called "It Was Written," which is uh, where people just posting the stuff that was originally written in their negative approach seven inches. And now it's kind of broadened to stuff that's just written inside of records, you know? So in keeping with that theme, the record I want to talk about today is a record. I just acquired on tour the awake seven inch. Right. So you have brought this up to me recently, recently. Yes. So this won't be as much a surprise to you, but I will really want to break down why this record is significant. And I got some more details about this because I've been sending photos to people that are some way connected to this record. And so I've got a lot of details. So Awake was a band from Connecticut, a hardcore band. Uh, you know, we got to keep with the theme on this show when the records I'm putting up as punk and hardcore records. Uh, you know, a great band, you know, but not something we'd want to talk about on the show. What is significant about this particular edition of this record is there were 150 copies that were distributed by Victory Records. And these copies are, are numbered, you know. I've never seen one of these copies up until now. So the 7-inch the sleeves, same as normal, normal sleeve, right? Great actual layout. Standard hardcore shots. You know, standard, very, very standard. Here's a collage you know the, the required collage yeah did you guys ever do one of these collages on your records uh i think we might have yeah because this is like this is like this is like the great uniter in graphic design between metal hard rock and punk is the photo not. montage you gotta do one that would be amazing yeah. you guys gotta do okay. one you can have so many good photos in there so many amazing photos in there uh, okay, I'm coming on board. It's doing graphic design for the next record. Okay, let oh, me. Oh yeah, you <laughs> <did>. <laughs> So this copy is one of the ones though distributed by Victory Records. This was originally put out on Skeen Records. Don't worry, this all comes up in a second on the actual why this record is being talked about. Skeen Records was a record label out of Minnesota, Skeen Re- Minneapolis. They put out um, uh, Green Day's uh, Rarest uh, Third Seven Inch uh, on a Sweet Children EP. 
a great record. They also put out Trenchmouth, Fred Armisen's band, uh, that Fred Armisen played drums in, put out a bunch of their records. They, uh, they put out some, uh, Crib Shrine featuring Aaron Conipus of Conipus Zine, and they put out like a lot of really kind of significant cool records. Uh, this copy though is the one distributed by Victory Records. And I know that because when I bought this, and this is why you always look in the dollar bin. Like people go, I, and I'm guilty of this too. You go to a record store, you look at the high ticket records first. You're like, why would I waste my time in the dollar bin? It's probably all picked over. This is why. So inside this copy, I found, I got this at Music Exchange in Portland, by the way. Shout out to their dollar bin. Um, and it's a letter from Tony Victory to the person that ordered this, kind of explaining this is one of the 150 copies. Also, you know, I won't read the whole letter because there's a lot of stuff that's boring. But anyway, Dan, here's your Awake 7-inch. Skeen Records finally sent me the covers. They really dicked me over. I totally regret helping these fools out. This whole thing only makes Victory look bad. Victory Records does not have the best reputation I should add at this point. <laughs> um, it is on Victory Records letterhead, it went with, replete with a new address stamp, the Victory Records stamp. Anyway, it is signed by one Tony Victory. Tony Victory... Because uh, I'm going to draw this all together. Played in a band called Only the Strong out of Chicago before he ran Victory Records. Um, they they changed their name too before they became you know before he quit the band as well. I'm trying to remember the name they changed it to. It'll come back to me in a second. But anyway, yeah, he put this record out uh, and distributed these. He went further. You know, he was like so pissed off that he also added <laughs> it wasn't enough to just say that this guy was a dick on the numbered version. <laughs> where it's numbered there, he added, Jeff Spiegel, the owner of Scheme Records, I will break your neck, sinner. <laughs> On the Desley. Uh, and then the other thing amazing. that makes it... Yeah, amazing. The other thing that makes this cool is uh, it is also including a Integrity bio for the very first biography of Integrity before Dwid was even going by Dwid on on their oh, stuff wow. and it also you know breaks down future releases including billingsgate which is future members of dillinger 4 and uh inner strength i, I think this is before the inner strength 70 even came out but anyway it's a, an incredible bio that talks about integrity being the future of straight edge they weren't straight edge for very long into that run but uh an incredible band they remained the whole way through and yeah an amazing dollar bin find i've since found out that this beef extended to the point where Tony was telling people not to buy records on Skeen Records at shows. I had a friend tell me a story about, <laughs> about Tony getting very upset when he tried to buy a record on Skeen, um, or when he had bought a record on Skeen for supporting that label. It, it angered Tony. But the way I'm going to draw this together is, uh, you know, I always thought that the great bridge between Chicago punk and Minneapolis stuff was Trenchmouth, you know, Trenchmouth being a Chicago-based hardcore band that did stuff with Only the Strong. Like, I think he even played shows with Only the Strong, and they were also on Skeen Records. But here we are, Tony Victory, threatening the dude who ran Skeen Records. So there was another Chicago-Minnesota punk connection, uh, albeit a lot more acrimonious than the Trenchmouth connection. So, <laughs> uh, But that I got this from a dollar bin. You know, it's a lot of thrills you can get for a dollar. And this was on your just your last run? The last the run. States? Yeah, we just got off this tour. It was a, you know, I tried, it was a, a bittersweet one. Uh, we talked about it at the intro of the last episode, but, you know, we found out about Dallas Good passing away just at the very start of the tour. So for the first few days of the tour, I didn't really go out too much and kind of like stayed just sort of, you know, 
contemplating walking around. But then as the tour kind of went on, I realized, you know, record stores are my happy place. And while I might not have very much money to spend in them, there's, there's thrills to be had for a dollar. For a dollar. And that's also a, a, a backdoor lesson. When you sell your records, go through the sleeves. Yes. And make sure you haven't put anything of value or any <laughs> yes. incriminating, embarrassing things in there. Um, I always do that just because sometimes I'll slip stuff in and sometimes they're of value. And I just, um, you know, like a flyer of the mm-hmm. show or, mm-hmm. or something like that. So I just always make sure. Nothing incriminating, but like I don't want... I don't want a personal letter floating around that someone may have, you know, because I put it in a sleeve or something. Yeah. But usually those records aren't the ones I'm going to sell to the, um, to the used record store. No, I I find also, um, you know, yeah, the ones that you're, the the ones that you have that sort of sentimental attachment to, um, you know, I I tend to go through them. I also though have started pulling a lot of the stuff like that from my records and putting them in a separate binder. Just so I can kind of oh, go through cool. that stuff, you know, and I always right. know which record they belong to because it's always like, oh, yeah, it's from this record. But that way, when I'm flipping through, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, that weird letter from so and so that I found in the copy of that record. Um, I got a cool one in the United Mutation 7 inch, a great band, a Discord split release, but a DSI records band. Fantastic band where the uh, the guy in the band wrote a whole letter to someone that uh, ordered the 7 inch about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. That he had just read the underground comic that had just come out. Oh wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You can kind of play stuff historically. I mean, you, you're, I think you're going to find more of those kinds of personal letters in like punk and hardcore releases because there's just such a a, a, a personal connection with between you know seller and, and buyer. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know just your regular rock, even on a on an independent label, they're just like sending it away. The one of the best sending it out, mailing it out. Well, one of the best finds ever is George Pettit, a mutual friend of ours from Alexis on Fire, a fellow record aficionado, uh, was at Amoeba and found a copy of, I forget which Billy Bragg record, but it had a letter from Billy Bragg to the guy from the band, I can't remember which band now, True North or something. Like, anyway, like a, but like a whole, like, letter breaking down the songs and stuff. And when Billy Bragg was on the show, I asked him, or we sent it to him afterwards and he's like oh shit yeah this is a letter i wrote to so-and-so and it's like we had this correspondence where we were like you know asking each other about music and kind of getting into songwriting and just to like to find that in a bin you know at a record store like that's that's you know why we dig you can't get it on discogs what a dick that he just sold the record of his friend that he yeah. was corresponding with. yeah <laughs> there's amazing times sometimes you find like i was with i was with uh uh, Bob Shed from Axe to Grind podcast once, and he was in, uh, we were at the record store in Toronto, and he found a copy of a seven inch he put out that he'd given to Martin from Career Suicide, and he knew that because he had written Martin on it, and it was in the dollar pin of the record store. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best. So he rebought it. It was awesome. He's like, I can't believe I found this. Well, uh, every time like I'm in a, a, a record store and I see like a copy of our CD or any of our albums, I the, you know the thought just passes. You, who is the dick who sold this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just like I just want to find out who it is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, as much as I'm like, oh great, you know someone might buy it and get into our band. That's not what goes through my head. It's, I get that vibe. Like, what jerk sold our record? <laughs> yeah. We're not good enough for your collection. 
It, so. it, it's nice to know that the first couple times I failed my record used, I was very excited by it because it meant that, like, you know, we were in circulation. Oh, <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> uh, we're in the mix now. You know, I'm like glasses half empty. Oh, it's over. People are dumping our record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that that definitely is a thought that I'd be lying if I said it doesn't cross my mind from time to time. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, you know, someone's got to be the Tijuana brass of their era. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and now you just want to get that record because it's like, well, I don't know. I should have this. Yeah, dude. Rumors. I've seen it enough times. Fucking rumors by Fleetwood Mac is now like a record that goes for money. You know, it all comes back around. <laughs> I should have bought <laughs> like a trillion copies when you saw them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh. we live in the era where there's like. You know, there's very little rhyme or reason to why records go for certain amounts of money. I, I realized that when I started to see, like, records that I'd passed over that were, like, in the $5 bin mm -hmm. were going for, like, you know, 50 bucks. And I, I, I first I was like, this is, this is highway robbery. And now I'm just kicking myself that I didn't hoard all this stuff. Well, you got to figure it's also an artificial market because a lot of this stuff, there's, like, dozens of copies that are sitting there for this amount of money right and people have just like you know there's just sort of this like belief now that hot rocks is worth fifty dollars by people you know and there's sort of this like perception that any record from the 90s is super rare and they didn't press very many copies of them because they probably didn't but like they, yeah and i've sold some of those kinds of records i had for a lot of money yeah yeah and it's it's uh it's it's interesting, especially coming from a world where like a five hundred run seven inch or like a two hundred run seven inch, you know, like that's rare. So to be like, there's twenty thousand copies of that thing out there. That's not rare. <laughs> I know, but I guess when you factor in the amount of fans that band would yeah. have, yeah, that is actually pretty rare. Yeah, like I sold a couple of records that I would never listen to, but I bought. I don't even know why I bought them. But I'm glad I did. You know, I was trying to be a completist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just was like, I'm never buying any of these albums. You know, so yeah. I got rid of them. Yeah. And now, like you were saying, I I sell the records that have no, uh, I have no personal connection to, and I only keep records that there's a story behind it. Now, like I, I don't want to have, a, no matter how much I like the record, I don't want to keep it um, if there's no connection if i just found it and i bought it and I, you could listen to it in a myriad of ways if there's no connection there then i don't i'm not keep that, that's that's how i uh, offloaded like 300 rec 300 plus records over the pandemic because i went through each one and i said do i have a connection to this you know yeah so, i no. i gotta do that but i just know that all the ones that i should sell are going to be the ones that I have the connection to and all the ones that are like stuff that's still a dollar bin is all the stuff that I will be yeah fuck I can get rid of this yeah I, it's hard to it's hard but I yeah. like even the connection would be well oh this thing has I've had this for 15 20 years I, I mean this has seen me through all these places and things I'll keep it I'll, I'll do that but yeah. yeah yeah I got a lot of dollar bin thrills 
you know, from these various tours that I have to I have to file away as I flip through the box of dollar bin stuff. Hey, more fodder for the show, I say. Future fodder for the show. When we eventually get to 30,000 episodes, I'll be happy I have all these records. Exactly. I mean, I have a great... So I... There's one time I was listening to college radio in the 90s, early 90s, or whenever the, this album came out, and I never heard the name of the band. Mm. And I was like, okay, what's the name? And they never... This song is amazing, I, 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 you know, and uh, I was at Vortex Records going through what you do, the seven inches, and I just saw this thing. And listen, I didn't know the band at the time. I didn't know what it was, but something compelled me to buy it, and it was the first Quicksand seven inch. Whoa! And I brought it home, and I go, "This is the song that I wanted to know the name of," and so and the, and and. The rest is whatever. Yeah. Have you ever hung out with Walter from Quicksand? I interviewed him. Did you know? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I interviewed Walter. And, of course, he would never remember. But it was with, um, uh, oh, my God, I for, uh, Nomi. And, um, <laughs> oh, God. I, and it was for a video zine that I wanted to put out. Do you have this tape? Three. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I dude. I know. Oh, we got to get this. High 8 camera or something. I borrowed from film school when I was going there. And uh, we interviewed him at the Spectrum. Uh, is that, was that, that Danforth? On the, on Danforth? the Danforth. Yeah, wait, D- Maine and Danforth or something? On the Slip Tour. Oh, dude, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't know where it is. I got to find the tape. Oh. But I can't go through it because it's like of a different format. But maybe I can. We know. We'll, I'll pay for it to get transferred. We'll pay. Like we'll do a Kickstarter. We'll do something to get this thing transferred. You know, this is worth it. For yeah, uh, yeah I gotta look through my stuff, but I'm pretty sure I kept it because it was Walter. Oh, that's amazing. That is so awesome. You know, he's he is one of the funniest people ever. But anyway. Oh no, not Walter. I'm sorry, not Walter. Um, the guy from Gorilla Biscuits on guitar. Walter. Who was on guitar? Walter, 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 and then he was singing and guitar in Quicksand. Yeah, not Walter, the guitar player in Quicksand. So there's Sergio, oh, s- Walter from Youth of Today. And Gorilla and Biscuits. And Gorilla Biscuits, but then the guitar player was in Gorilla Biscuits too. He's not in the band anymore, but he was on Slip. Oh. And he was on the 7-inch. I got to look that up now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember the lineups. Because I know the, uh, the three-piece lineup, obviously, and uh, yeah, who, a, people are screaming at the YouTube I right know, now. I know, it's just it driving, I mean, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, but, well, uh, well, it's not a quicksand episode, you know, I think we'd be forgiven. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, God. oh, Tom Capone. Tom Capone. But he wasn't Tom. in Youth of Today, he was in uh, Crippled no, Walter Youth. Walter was in Youth of Today, but yeah, Tom yeah. Was, in, was in Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, that's wild. And, and, yeah, that, so was, he was Tom. also in Beyond and everything, too. Like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. Sorry, when you said Walter, I thought it, I had a, fo- a picture of Tom in my head. So we got it. Walter's a good hang, though. You got to get together with Walter sometime, too. I have too. never hung with Walter, and I totally want to. Oh, I will hook that up. He's been on... He's been on uh, Turn Out of Punk like the most, I think. No, not anymore. But he was all for the longest time the most frequent guest type thing. Oh my god! Well, Walter, uh, I mean, last Quicksand album. Oh my god! Oh, I listened to that all year round. It got me through the year with Gataplan, Engage Band from 
a noise a noise conspiracy. Yeah, like I think Walter is like, uh, you know, he's like a guy who just like you know like grill biscuits. Obviously, Youth of Today. He was in Warzone for a hot second, but then have you ever heard of the Moondog stuff he did between Quicksand and, and Grill Biscuits? Like the no. bridge band? Oh, oh no, I it's awesome. It's awesome. There's an unreleased LP that uh, he has dangled over people's heads for years, you know, and, and it has <laughs> never come out. But and then World's Fast, he's in so many great bands. But anyway, we got to move on to your record because uh, oh, my record. Yeah. All right. Okay. So of course, you know, sticking with our separate themes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> carved out. Um, I have my record comes with a package of two other ones, like three. Okay. So there's two other records in it. And um, our first episode, I had, you know, accompanying records to it. Uh, so in our fourth episode, I, I, too, have brought out. So this is the record I've chosen. It's the Lawrence Hilton <laughs> Jacob album uh, called. What's it called? What the hell is it called? Oh, it's self-titled. So this is Lawrence Hilton Jacob was uh, Boom Boom Washington from Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> In the height, because the, the show was so popular at the time, it was the launch pad for John Travolta. Yeah. And um, it was so popular that they gave these guys record deals if they want, because it's on ABC Records. Oh, that's it's wild. ABC Records. So it's a disco record, because it came out in the height of the, the disco craze. And the reason why um, this record comes in, in, uh, with uh, two other accompanying records is because... I do have a John Travolta album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh, I had another one, but I, I, um, I lost it. So I had, oh. there was a time when I had two Travolta records. And then the third one is the Gabe Kaplan comedy <laughs> record, who is Mr. Potter. <laughs> and this is a re-release when the uh, show uh, was very popular. So they put, you know, the, the, the <laughs> show. But the original cover does not have anything to do with Welcome Back, Cotter. But in his comedy, uh, stand-up comedy routine, he talks about all these characters that eventually became the show. Oh. Yeah. So it's so like the it's prequel. The, or, yeah, I mean, no, 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 it's like the zero issue, I guess. Yeah, so all these guys are called, these four guys are called the Sweat Hogs. Yeah. They're kind of like a gang, an inner city, uh, like a New York inner city gang that, that Mr. Cotter was an original Sweat Hog. And so these guys are the, uh, the, the, the next generation of sweat hogs. And they said stuff like, uh, up your nose with a rubber hose, which was like too risky for, for prime time. They were pushing the envelope. And my parents didn't let me watch Welcome Back, Cotter. Because really? <laughs> I think they, they thought it was celebrating juvenile delinquency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because kids were not, they were unruly. They were disrespectful. They talked out of turn. And then I eventually watched it later in reruns, and I became a huge fan. Well, and I, I named our first band. We named our first band after one of the characters, Arnold Horseshack. So our first band was my first band was called Horseshack, and uh, Horseshack ended up playing with. I'm trying to see if I can bring it over to punk rock. Well, we played with uh, Wool. Yeah. Stall. Yep. So Featuring and also uh, members of Brotherhood, right? Because wasn't yeah, Greg Anderson I, in that too? I I don't for a time. I don't, the Stahl brothers were in Wool, but I don't know who else was in there. Okay, I think Greg Anderson was on some recording by him. He at least put out the reissue on Southern Lord. So, yeah, we got a Brotherhood connection too, and 
We get you guys so much stuff with that. When are you gonna do the when are you gonna do the uh, the, the podcast about uh, about this show? You know, when are you gonna do the Sweat Hogs podcast and go through every episode? <laughs> oh right, I I I should. Uh, we'll, we'll do yeah. When I get the podcast up and running, yeah, I'll do, I'll do something. But um, so so th- also I would say this is actually one of the records that kicked off my 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 uh, my uh, hobby of collecting uh kitschy records so this is this record was bought on that um now um historic record store journey to uh peter dunn's vinyl museum with matt galloway <laughs> <laughs> so i got this i got a batman record i got a couple other record a co-star record and i was and uh Matt knew that I wanted to do a, uh, a show where I would just play kitschy records. Yeah. And so it was, it was him and the other, um, music director at the time, Gary X at CHRY. The three of us headed down to Lakeshore to the big vinyl museum. And, uh, we, um, we bought our own kinds of records. I remember Matt bought a Dinosaur Jr. album and I bought a Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Boom Boom Washington album, <laughs> and I, I was like, "This is amazing." I was, I, I was like, "This is what I want to collect." And to this day, that it's still all I want to collect. So that that's uh, this this record has a you can tell it's a promo copy too. So yeah. it has a a, a a little bit of a, a, a history to that purchase. So. Well, that that store is like, I think I only have one record still with the Bible quote stamped dust leaf. At this point, but Vinyl Museum and that radio show, you should bring that back. You know, like that's radio like a, that ra- that show where you play kitschy records. Oh, the great big backwards show. That would be amazing now. Like I would listen. People would love that to hear that. Like, would love to do that. You know, there's so many cool records that would be fun to play on something like that. Like I was thinking Dr. Demento. Like I was playing old Dr. Demento compilations for the kids in the car. And they were just like loving it, and I'm like, yeah, this yeah. I'd listen to this like every time. This was on once a week, be amazing. Yeah, it was on Chum FM on Sundays. Doctor Demento was on Chum FM. It was Doctor Demento, and then the Sunday Funnies on, uh, one, on yeah. Chum FM. I don't remember Doctor Demento, but I definitely remember the Sunday Funnies. But man, Doctor Demento, there's playlists of them on the streaming services and all the old compilations now. And there's like, yeah, that stuff's so much fun to listen to. Like certainly better than hearing the same. 20 songs again and again yeah. you know i know it's 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 staring everybody right in the face yeah and nope it's taking it taking up i mean that would really lure people back if they if they um you know uh, brought in like i don't know just interesting program programmers mm-hmm. um so but yeah. I, I will say i noticed before coming here to do it i looked in the sleep because i knew it was vinyl museum and see the problem is I replaced it. Oh. With, I threw it out because I hated it. Yeah. I hated those sleeves when I would go there and buy it because it was... So Peter Dunn would make his own record sleeves and it's just this this cat, which was the mascot of the record. And you would just think that he had soiled the original pressing in the original version. And I hated it, so I replaced it. But then when I looked at my Travolta album... It does have oh, the original. I was gonna go because I've got one hanging on my wall where it's the cat on the beach, who like reclining on the oh, beach. The one. Yeah, I've had that. <laughs> but then towards yeah, the end, when they got lazy, they would just stamp them with a Bible quote. Like there wasn't even the cat anymore. Yeah, I have. 
I'm sure the stamp is on the actual record. See, sometimes he would stamp the record yeah. itself, and that pissed me <sighs> off. But now I, you know, I kind of wish. I, I'm glad I, I glad I have these, you know. Yeah. Because it, it, it's such a. But back then, man, I hated these. I really hated the sleeves and the stamps. Ugh, but now I love them. Oh, definitely. Like I think that's. That's come with time, like peeling the stickers off my front sleeve. That now I'm like, man, I wish I had that old price sticker on there. Like, I think yeah. that I think people in this era of like obsessing over the mint condition of something, I don't really want the mint condition. Like, I'm, I'm happy to get a mint version of a record, but I kind of love when there's like a little history to the sleeve, and yeah, it, you can kind of feel that. Yeah, same with me. I I don't mind a mint condition. Like, I have a mint volume four black sabbath like mm -hmm. it you would swear it was just a repressing from last year yeah yeah but it's original <laughs> pressing and it's whoever did it made a cassette copy of the album and never and filed it, it away yeah. yeah i was lucky enough to kind of stumble onto a collection in edmonton one time that came in of there's still to this day the craziest collection i've ever seen in one place for sale uh, going back to the 60s, right into the 80s of obscure stuff, and the same sort of thing. Like, this person obviously bought this, taped it, and then filed it away. And was yep. like, never going to look at this record again. And, uh, yeah, like, there, I, there's that, there's appeal of that to finding those records, but there's also, like, what, you know, the record that has that stamp, or the record that has a death threat written on it, where you're like, God damn, this is why I buy these records. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's the only thing that's going to make me keep records now. So, yeah, yeah, like and just feeling that you know that, that that's why I, I can't get into the like the big thing, the hot thing this week on Instagram. If you're a record collector over forty, is posting a picture of your Discord box set, you know. And have you not seen this yet? No. Okay, so there was this Discord exact replica reissue box set that came out where they put out all the first. Five, uh, five, seven inches, six, seven inches, plus a bonus seven inch in there. Um, and like people went up crazy for this thing when it went up, up for pre order. And, uh, I, you know, and now maybe it's a little bit of buyer's not remorse that I didn't buy this thing, but I'm looking at this thing and also being like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same thrill to me as like touching the original artifact would. Like, I'm happy to have all these things on compilation LPs and rather than having the exact replica of it because I'm not really a replica. Person, I want to. If I want an original, I want to be. I want to know that it came from this time and have yeah. that energy to it. And then there's the danger that the replica eventually will have value. Oh, the rep so you got to yeah. you got to get it. Yeah, kind of yeah. Pokemon World, you know, is where it's like you got to collect them all, get them all. You can't you can't have one version of this thing. And I'm guilty. I got. Oh my god, like records beside me. I have like eight copies of this one record beside me. Like just so much ridiculous shit where it's just like you know you get kind of caught up in the fever of it but it's like like you're saying it's really that one that you have that personal attachment to is the only thing you really need like you don't really need like these this you're never going to fill that void all the colors of exactly. record exactly exactly that's how that's what made me snap out of it yeah i was like this will never end it never ends and it, and it's it's uh I don't know, and I guess it's, you know, like, it, it, it's kind of like the way music, people have shifted in the way they, they sell music. Like, you don't try and get as big an audience, you try and get an audience and 
just milk it. And it's not just music. Like everything kind of works this way now. You just try and get your captured audience for something and then just milk it <laughs> yeah. till the cow cannot give milk anymore. And then, uh, you know, that's just the way it seems to be for, for everything, every type of fandom, even software, you know, like the software that I'm recording this on, you know, I'm on a yearly subscription with this thing. I'll never own it. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's terrible. uh, I hate that. That's why the dollar bin is so rewarding because it's, it's always there and they're always a dollar. Well, not even they're they're now about $3 most of the time, but that's still fine. I was talking to uh, who we both know, Derek Emerson, mm-hmm. yesterday, and uh, he was surprised that I like I didn't know record stores in Toronto because I was saying, "Well, well, where's that? And wh- what's this?" And he goes, "What are you talking about? You do this podcast with Damien where you <laughs> you talk about records and you don't know where all these records." Well, I said, I, "All I do is I go to these record shows one or two hours out of the city." And I was doing that before the pandemic. That's how I buy records now. Yeah. And I scour the five dollar bins for those crazy wild oddball records. So I do that too. Yeah. And it's just like that was the thing for me. For a while it was a compulsion. Like I had to hit every single record store every single day because I didn't know what I was gonna miss. And like it would yeah. it would I'd get panics about like the fact that like shit, something's gonna hit the floor and I'm not gonna be there to see it, you know? And, and then it's gonna be <laughs> That's your you have a problem, and I know that because yeah. I have the same problem. Yeah, and I'm now at a point where that doesn't thrill me because you know I think, I think it also and part of it's you know looking at the way we can buy music now, where if you've got a million dollars to spend on records, every record you ever wanted could be had, pretty much you know yeah. except for the ones that you know have the providence. You know, like have this sort of like, you know, real attachment to you, you know, like the copy that you got this place or that, you know, the story behind this particular copy, like that is something that, you know, no one can buy and no one can take away from you because it's your story and your connection to the record and stuff. And so that's, that's what I'm looking for every time I go to a record store now, (laughs) something that's come up on the podcast or, you know, and that way you can have thrills every time you go to a record store and it doesn't become like a compulsion to get there. Yeah, like I need to buy the new whatever. The the thing with these kinds of records that I'm I'm showcasing on the podcast here, like Lawrence Hilton Jacobs solo album, um, even <laughs> though it doesn't have like a letter from you know uh, the the head of ABC telling Lawrence you know <laughs> congratulations on the show, um, it's so weird and rare that just that itself is enough for me to go wow this is of value to me. Well, you know, the value I extract is. The, the pop I get when I show somebody. And, and you also have that personal story to it, right? Like you have that story about going to get it with Matt Galloway, which is that personal providence, which, yeah, like there's copies of the, my records where I know exactly how I acquired it, you know? And I yeah. remember, you know, the, the digging in the basement of this record store through a thousand seven inches to find that one that, you know, I was looking for. Literally, these, these are memories, you know, and to have those records like, yeah, those are the ones like you were talking about. Those are the ones you want to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, so. and uh, I will be showcasing more. Yeah, well, I've I've got a lot more to get to too. Um, this is always a big thrill getting to do this, and anytime we get to do this, buddy, I have a good time. So hopefully, we'll be recording and putting these out every two weeks. I think we kind of figured is a a good kind of pace. I think so. I mean, 
that I mean that could go on for years. That makes yeah. it, the pod, this podcast go for years. Yeah. Uh, and I, the the most exciting part about doing this podcast with you is when I go, okay, what am I gonna pick? Yeah. Yeah, that's the best part because it's always like there's just literally endless possibilities. That's the other thing is like <laughs> we don't we've we've been digging for so long that we don't necessarily even need to find new material. Like, you know, I I found this record on the oh. most recent tour, but otherwise I could have agonized over what to pick. Oh yeah. I mean that's the fun that's I think that's the most fun part for me. Yeah. Is fig- the, the Lawrence Hilton I was gonna lead the whole podcast with. <laughs> This is how much I love this album. And listen, can I just say these two albums by the Sweat Hogs are just not the best. They're just, they're not. <laughs> I gave them both a listen um, uh, leading up to this episode just to make sure and tortured everyone in the house. Really. Just tortured. Like, I mean, it's unbelievably bad. I'm sorry that... It's it's so bad. It's not, it's I don't know. I don't know about Lawrence, but I would certainly be interested to hear what kind of record Travolta puts out in recent days. Because have you seen Tony uh, Waste's photos of him hanging out with Travolta? No, but Travolta was hanging out with Linda Ramone. Yeah, and and, and I guess it, Linda Ramone and, and Tony from Municipal Waste. So Tony from Municipal Waste. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Tony posted a photo and it's him Travolta hugging him behind on the deck at the front of a boat doing the uh, Titanic thing. What how does that happen? Yeah, uh, Tony I don't want to give Tony's story away but Tony Tony's okay. become friends with him apparently like I I we, we <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it happened but they're buddies. That's <laughs> wild <laughs> it's wild it is to me the most mind-blowing out of any celebrity po- like that there's also a story about will smith coming out and throwing up the x and talking about straight edge at a i forget the name of the band on broken wings i think maybe that was opening up for jada's band on a tour on wicked wisdom on a tour and apparently will came out and was like you know shout out straight edge and threw up the x for straight edge, and then like, there's a photo of him hanging out with all these like hardcore straight edge kids too. I I think I've seen something like that. Yeah, so. that is familiar to me. But I just thought, what is this? I didn't know the back backstory. Travolta and Will Smith doing a hardcore band. I'm calling it. 2022 is going to be a wild year. Awesome. <laughs> these are, I mean, Lawrence <laughs> album is disco. Yeah. The Travolta one are just like like Schlock. really kind of cheesy ballads. Yeah. Like, he had a career though, Travolta as a performer. Well, I guess like Greece, right? Like, you know, that's one of the biggest selling soundtracks of all time. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's just show. I mean, his voice isn't like the greatest, and it just shows you how popular he was. Like, he was the man. It, it, he's got a strong falsetto, you know. Okay. You know, uh, like he like. Like he does that, he's got that range like so high. I'd like to hear him do like a Sabbath song. Oh wow! You know, like in that high voice, like the high registry, the whole way through. Municipal <laughs> <waste> covering <laughs> Sabbath. 
with guest vocals would be amazing. We got to produce this record. Like this is this is just begging for us to send this text to try and get the ball in motion for this thing to happen. I'm sure the thought is past every band member's head. Yeah, got to get Travolta. Maybe they don't even know he's he's got a recording career. That's true. Like hopefully from this podcast, I'll send this to Tony when we drop it. Oh well, in that case, I will say that an amazing album. <laughs> that career should continue. Uh, I just think his his resource has been misused. You know, he's got a great gift, and he, and it's just like they decided to force this schlock on him. You know, the yeah, whole time he okay. could be, you know, it's like when have you ever heard the uh, the Osmonds uh, Hard Psych Crazy Horse song? Oh my god, I, I love the album. D- yeah. They had that it in them. Amazing. Yeah. They had it in them the whole time. They're just holding them back with that schlock stuff. Actually, um, I don't think I've ever said this in a in um uh, an interview, but our new album, our last album, Power Trio, um, we like basically really influenced by the Osmonds. Really, that record. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. There's one song in particular on the album which was inspired by, but there was other songs that didn't make the cut where it was like. Okay, how do we make this Osmond song into one of our songs? <laughs> but it didn't make the cut. But it was like, oh man, I love. There's not just Crazy Horses by the Osmonds, but there's a couple of other like rock records. But basically, the Osmonds are the greatest rock band that never was. They ruined it because they were Mormons, and people thought Crazy Horse. They were talking about heroin, and there was all this kind of, you know, uh, misunderstanding. And they got, I guess, they got spooked. But the Osmonds are incredible musicians like a hard rock when they do a hard rock song ah oh man it's i can go on and on about it because they have there's osmond songs that i'm just kind of like going does anyone hear what i'm hearing can am i this is amazing these guys are amazing like i've even like trolled them like i wanted to like say like i've even said like you guys are the greatest rock band that never was <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I know. I met I met Donnie one time filling the vending machine at the at the theater when he was doing uh, the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoats. Uh, I used to fill the vending machine there, and uh, he was super nice. But it was way. I, I wish I had had this show then, so I would have known, you know, about the Osmond stuff being so great as a rock band. So I could have dropped that on him. I didn't know it, but he was super nice. Donnie is the weakest. Yeah, he's the, the weak link. He's the weak the, uh, link. The older bro- his older brothers are like. I can't remember the name, his name, but the drummer of the Osmonds, the brother who plays the drums, he sings Crazy Horses. Oh, man, I can go on and on. He was, I'm just like, Jackson's Schmatchens, Osmonds, man. <laughs> he was probably smoking weed by that point. He's like, yo, you want to hear some real heavy shit, guys? <laughs> Let me turn you on to this shit. Only, if, you if you could only meet him now, you could probably get those stories from him. Have you ever heard the uh, Village People's Punk song? Did I talk about that on the show before? Oh, Food fight. Food fight. One of the oh, greatest. Yeah. I remember when village people rebooted themselves. Yeah, Renaissance. They got rid of the costumes. And I remember it was a People magazine because I used to, my parents used to grocery shop at the Loblaws. And I would just like, I was so bored. I would just look through all the magazines, <laughs> cracked and mad and people. And that's the first time I saw the new village people in the People magazine. And I, I loved it, but it was a flop. Sorry. It was a complete flop, and it, I think it destroyed their career. Yeah, no, it definitely. I think it, I think it was the uh, the great ender for them. But that that song in Big Mac, 
Those are the hits on that record for me. They got a song about go Big Macs. <laughs> I gotta go through. I would love to find that on vinyl. Oh, it's a dollar bin find. Definitely yeah. still. Like, you can definitely, yeah. you know. Um, and there's a Canadian promo 7-inch of Food Fight, too, that came out. Oh, okay. That'll be way hard to find. It, 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 for a while, I used to be able to find them, like, really easy. Because, you know, they're obviously no one bought it. So they would turn up in stores around Toronto. Yeah. And then you could flip it to people in trades because it was always something cool to throw in for someone. Um, I think they sense that their time as like, these like construction workers and cowboys and cops had, you know, run its course and they were ready to, but no one was ready to see them any other way than these, like they became a parody of themselves. So, And it's also too much of a hodgepodge record. Like there's different genres. If they had committed and gone like full Dickies, like that song, or, you know, there's some new romantic stuff on there. There's some new wave yeah. stuff on there. Yeah. But food fights the jam, obviously. Yeah, uh, and then the police have some. They re they released uh, some early police, uh, and the only reason why I knew that before they released it is because when I was growing up, uh, we had a an assignment to write a message in a bottle, and my 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 fourth grade teacher played this song by this band, The Police, <laughs> "Message in a Bottle." We uh, the assignment is to write the message. And I love the song, so I got the, the the 45, my mom bought it for me. The B-side was a song called Landlord, and it was in way better. Yeah. And it was like this punk rock influence song that's on the re-release of all the old uh, police songs. The first 7-inch that they did is like just this killer punk record. Then they kicked the one guitar player out, who ended up playing with Jane County. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, on uh, When she did her band in England. I guess she had like, she started a separate band in England and a brilliant guitar player, but uh, was replaced in the band. And of course the rest is history, but the police are, uh, yeah, that first single is amazing. Like a, an amazing record. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why I've always, you know, just always said to people, the, the police are, are not what you think they are. You know, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there there's a few bands like that too. The other one that's wild like that is uh, Simply Red. The guy. Oh, Mick, I didn't know that. Mick Hutnell was in this band called Frantic Elevators, and uh, the Rolling Back the Years is actually a Frantic Elevators song, and it's he's got like some weird kind of ripping punk songs on there with his voice too. Like ah, da, 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 da. it's really oh, wow. it's awesome. Uh, that's. Maybe I can find that somewhere online. I will send you some links uh, to some frantic elevator stuff. But this has been awesome. I know you have to run, and I promise to, to get you gone by this point. So uh, until next time, uh, find me at Left for Damien. I do a podcast called Turned Out a Punk. Where they look for you, I'm Danko? At, I'm at uh, Danko underscore Jones on Instagram, at Danko Jones on Twitter, and at next level record collecting on Instagram where I post all these kinds of wacky records. And we will see you on the next episode. Keep digging. <laughs>